This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. And a few years ago, I, I got this revelation that uh, connects to a sort of a, a saying that people sometimes say, if you build it, they will come. Uh, probably, you've probably heard that. If you build it, they will come and they will fill it. But I, um, I got a revelation in, in the sense of, of the kingdom of God that if you build it, a kingdom culture, the right environment, God will come. Because if you look all through scripture, it's always been about creating an environment so that God can dwell in the midst of his people. It's about relationship. He wants to be with us. And if you build a kingdom culture, the king will come. Okay, the king will come. And one of our, I think, our biggest challenges when it comes to um, Christianity or, or, or living out our lives as, as believers in Christ is that we come with a democratic mindset. We live in a democracy. The Western world is about democracy. So we, there's a certain mindset that comes with us and, and we approach God and even the kingdom of God as if it's a democracy. And it's not. There's a very big difference between democracy and a kingdom. And Jesus Christ is the king of kings. And the moment you come into Christ, you move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. There's this transition into a new realm called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. But so often when we come into the kingdom, we still come with this democratic mindset. We've, we think about things still as we thought about it previously. In other words, we, we embrace the culture of our world and we bring that into the kingdom. And so we get confused and we miss out on all that God has for us. It's a kingdom. Come on, say kingdom. Kingdom. There's the king at the top and he delegates authority to those under him. All authority comes from God and he delegates it to those under his authority. And so there's supposed to be divine order. There's supposed to be an understanding of the kingdom. Okay, so I'm going to help us to, to understand some of this. But so when it comes to a kingdom, you normally have royalty. And, and one of the key virtues of royalty is honor. Okay, honor. And when you and I, the moment you become a believer in Christ, you become part of a royal generation. The word of God says you are a royal priesthood. You are royalty. You are royalty. But often we live like commoners in our thinking. And yet I feel God wants to bring us higher into that place of the kingdom. And that we are royalty. And then we need to, if we want to be royalty in the way that we honor God, then we need to embrace this virtue called honor. And we struggle to understand it. So I'm going to. I'm, I'm wanting today just to paint you a bit of a picture that you would see this is what honor looks like. 
Okay, so when we watch the movies, especially the blockbuster movies, we would um, see these virtues in some of the characters, and that would impact us because we're like, wow, that is like not common. That is exceptional. The way they would handle themselves, the way they would respond to injustice, the way that they would sacrifice themselves for others, it is inspirational. And it paints us a picture of what honor looks like. Okay, so I want to take us to a few movies. And I'm sure you're all going to be very keen to watch movies after this message. But, uh, but these, these, these characters reveal elements of royalty and ultimately elements of the one true God, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the royalty that flows from him. So a classic movie is a Titanic from the 90s. You can put it on there from the 90s. So we have Jack Dawson, the, the hero who was a, like a artist. And then we had Rose, the, the love of his life. And, and she was, um, more aristocratic, more from a, like almost royal kind of background, but she was part of the elite crowd and he was a commoner, but he had this, this adventurous part of his character and lifestyle. And anyway, so they fell in love for those who don't know. And there's this epic movie. There's a lot of action, a lot of people dying, big boat sinking, uh, a few scenes where you need to close your eyes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it, it's a, it's a, it's a classic. But then right at the end, there's the scene. The scene. Jack, come back. Jack. <laughs> the scene where they are on this, like she, she's lying on top of this, like a wooden door. And it's just, it can only handle like one person's weight. So he would get up and then they'd both be sinking. So he got off again. It's ice. It's cold. It's like people are dying. And then Jack does this incredible thing. You know, he is honorable in the sense that he values her life more than his own. And he stays there and he holds her hands and he encourages her and he knows that he's in trouble. But he was willing to give his life for her. And so I watched this in the 90s. I tell you, in this last scene, I was bawling. <laughs> and the reason I was bawling was not because of Jack. But it was because of Jesus. Because when I, when I watched this, I saw what Jesus did for us. He gave his life so that we can live. So, so I, when, often when I watch movies and I see incredible, um, and these, this, these, this virtue of honor and godliness, when I see it in the stories, it all points me back to Jesus. To the one who's the source of honor, the source of godliness, the source of sacrifice. And so it's such a, a, a beautiful, beautiful scene. But, you know, this is a movie. This is, these are actors playing out a story. But as most of us are aware, many of the actors um, outside of the movie theater, they are not as honorable as they are on, sta you know, on stage. As you guys would, I'm, I can just imagine with the Leonardo DiCaprio, the actor, in that same scenario, what would he, what, in real life, what would he have done? 
He'd probably kick her off and say, I want to live. Ah, find your own life raft, you know, and save himself. That's probably what uh, he would have done. But, 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 but someone that, that embraces an honor code lives differently. Or what about Will Smith? Yeah, and the, and the Academy Awards, I'm sure most of us have seen, you know. So his wife was dishonored. So he wanted to defend his wife's honor. But so he got up onto stage and he slapped Chris Rock. And then he went to sit down and then he cussed him out. And uh, so, so there's different opinions about that. Some feel like it's wonderful that he defended his wife's honor. But I was like, man, I think there's a better way of defending your wife's honor than doing it like that. Honor is sometimes best revealed through self-control. Someone provokes you, but you don't fall for it. Sometimes that is the best way to respond with honor. Okay, so I'm wanting to paint you a picture. What does honor look like? And you can often figure out where you're at when the pressure is on. Like say with Will Smith, there was pressure. He snapped. He lost his cool. That reveals a lot about what's happening on on the inside. In the same way, you would find out how honorable you are when the pressure is on. Someone treats you unjustly. Someone, you know, does something. You The pressure is on what's coming out. Because that's the test. The test is when the pressure is on. And that will reveal to you, okay, how far have I grown in God's? Okay, so that's a good test. Honor. And then one of the classic characters, my wife's, Sonica's favorite Avenger, Captain America. A military man. He embraced a code of honor. He treats women with respect. Doesn't do one night stands. He's extremely loyal. I mean, he was still committed to the, to the love of his life from the 1940s. Okay, so if you haven't watched the movies, long story. But he was still committed to, to the love of his life from the 1940s. And it's just so weird because sometimes people look at this guy and the way he's acting is like, oh, that's like so 1920s. That's so 19, early 1900s. It's like these days, it's like, it's just so normal to dishonor, to be disloyal, to, to treat people with disrespect. And here's a guy character that ultimately reveals for me honor and who Jesus is. But here's a guy that's like, he's loyal. He can have any woman, but he's like, I'm still committed to that girl all the way back from that time. And that for me is beautiful. That is honor. These days it's like, oh, women stuff you going for somebody else. That's not honor. Anybody can do that. There's a higher code, an honor code that we find in the scriptures. And so there's this classic scene, the end of the Endgame movie, where he, he went back in time and he danced with the love of his life. It's beautiful. And so Captain America would at times, in one of the Avengers movies, um, I think it was Iron Man, Tony Stark, that uh, had a bit of a foul mouth. And so he, he told the other guys, guys, let's watch our language. Oh, that's the best scene in the movie for my wife. Let's watch our language. You know, and, and it's, it's like, it's cool to have a bad mouth. It's a cool to have a foul language, 
But it's not honorable. It's not godly. And, and he was such a, a wonderful example of what honor is. So here's a verse that speaks about this honor code. Proverbs 13, verse 3. It says, he who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. In other words, an honorable person lives by a certain honor code, lives by a certain way of speaking. A, a, a dishonorable person just cusses, falls in the blanks in their speech with these, you know, destructive words. A, a dishonorable person just says what they want because they feel like it. But an honorable person has self-control over their words and over their heart, and they speak accordingly. You know, there's been these moments with me and Sonica that I'm like maybe a little bit worked up, and uh, I'm like, so, but, 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 but worked up, yeah, and uh, so I'm like, so I'm like, man, I'm thinking this, and I really want to say this, but I'm like, don't, don't say it, Andre, just don't say it. So I'm talking to myself, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, and then you say it. And you're like, no, you want to pull the words back. It's like, don't, no, no. And it's like nine o'clock or 10 o'clock in the evening. And now I know we're not going to sleep soon. Because we have to reconcile before we go to bed. My wife and I, we always reconcile before we go to bed. We always sort out things. Otherwise, we don't sleep. So I'm like, oh, no, if I only. <laughs> now, so one of the things I pray for often is like, Lord, give me a guard before my mouth. Guard, guard my mouth. God, help me to even if I'm worked up or I want to say something, just help me to filter it. Don't say it. An honorable person has a guard over their mouth. An honorable person speaks life. He doesn't, he or she doesn't break down the people around them. So look at this, Ephesians 4.29. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words can, will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So again, we find in the scriptures an honor code. If we want to represent God well, who is the ultimate honorable being, if we want to be like him, we need to clean up our speech, which actually means we need to clean up our hearts because what comes forth from the mouth, Reveals what's in the heart. So when I, before I became a believer in Christ at the age of 18, I had a, a terrible foul mouth because, you know, it revealed my heart. And I became a believer and about a year later, I discovered that I am truly, truly born again now. Because it was, we were just going on a missions trip. I was driving my dad's four by four. And we have a generator in the back. We're driving from Stellenbosch in the Cape Town area to Cape Town to, put, to give the generator in. I had a friend with me, and we were driving 130, 120, 130 kilometers per hour. And I lost control over the vehicle. I, I, I changed lanes too quickly, lost control. And at some point, the vehicle turned 90 degrees at 130. And then we rolled three times and missed the truck, missed the vehicles, missed the bridge, came out with just a scratch on my arm. 
But in that moment, I realized I am truly, truly born again. Because when that vehicle turned 90 degrees in the road and we were like, it's like everything is in slow-mo. It's like the only thing that came out of my, my mouth was, oh. <laughs> and then I knew, Andre, you are now born again. Because <laughs> a cuss word didn't come out of your heart. Your heart has been changed. Again, pressure. When the pressure is on, what comes out? You're working with a hammer, you hit your thumb. What comes out? What comes out? Praise Jesus. <laughs> what comes out? Because again, that reveals, you see, you can't fake it. There's like, you can't do this, not on the external honor code. Like if I, I can, when the pressure is on, you're going to go back to your old ways. It needs to be a change from the inside out. Inside out. And it, as it says, they don't use foul or abusive language. So part of the honor code is the way we speak and the way we speak to those around us. It reveals ultimately what is in our hearts. Then another character, Tony Stark, Mr. Iron Man. So when he started off the, 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 the journey of, uh, uh, in the movies, you know, he was not a very honorable character. Selfish. Playboy would use people, he disrespected people, dishonored people often. But you know, it was a wild and fun adventure, and that's obviously why people enjoyed him. But it, you wouldn't say he's an honorable person, the character now. But over time, they redeemed the character. So later on, at the end of the story, at the end of Endgame, so I'm going to spoil it for you guys if you haven't seen it, but right at the end, Later on, he became a family man. He got married. Hallelujah. Honor is to get married, people. You get married. You commit. I'm in it for life. I'm with you. You make a vow before God and before people. And you stand by your vow. Commit. Then he was, he became a dad. He loved his daughter. Classic scene where she said, I love you 3,000 or something like that. But this beautiful interaction. But again, honorable. It's honorable when you are loyal to the love of your life. It's honorable when you are loyal to your kids. And then right at the end, where he was previously a selfish guy, he would just, he would just look out for himself. He came to a point where he realized the only way out is he needed to give his life to save the world, to, to save his friends, to save Everybody around him. And then the classic Thanos snap. That he, he gave his life. He died. And at the end you're like you're cheering him. Because you're seeing godliness. You're seeing that willingness to sacrifice himself for others. And, you st- and, and then you can stand and applaud. Why? Because you're seeing a little bit about Jesus. You're seeing Christ. You're seeing godliness. You're seeing honor. And, and for me this is inspirational as well. Because... It's like, even if you haven't been very honoring or honorable in the past, I want to encourage you, you can change through Jesus Christ. Every one of us can change. I'm thinking of where I was 25 years ago, a disaster <laughs> on every level. But over time, I would add another aspect of the, of the word of God, another aspect of what God would work in my life. And over time, I am becoming more and more and more honorable. 
And that, I want to I hold that before you. You need to see it. You need to, see, you need to, say, you need to say, I want to be an honorable person. I want to be somebody that the way I walk, the way I speak, the way I think, and everything about me, I want to bring glory to the one. That when people see me, they would applaud the godliness which comes from Jesus. Amen? So I want to inspire you. You need to see it. You need to say, that's what I want to be. It's not just, oh, I need to read my Bible. Oh, I need to do this, you know, or what. No, it's like. I'm committed to this process. I want to become more like Christ, the ultimate example of honor. That is available to every one of us. You see, 1 John 3 verse 16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is love. And this is what honor looks like. He laid down his life. Why, why is that honorable? Because an aspect of honor is like, I value you so highly, more than myself, that I'm willing to lay down my life for you. That's honor. That's honor. I value to such an extent. And that's what Jesus did. He looked at us undeserving sinners. And he's like, I value you. I esteem you. You are precious to me, so I'm willing to lay down myself. While most other people, as I said, like, (laughs) they would kick the other one off. I'm going to save myself. But there's a godliness that God wants to bring into our lives. And so the second part of that verse, it says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So God is saying, I'm calling you into the same, to, to embrace the same virtue. Embrace this honorable, become honorable, embrace this virtue of honor and lay down your life for those around you. And and most of us will probably not have to physically die for somebody, but it's in the small things. Being willing to go that second kilometer, being willing to lay down your desire to esteem somebody else's desire. It's in the small things that we become honorable. So it speaks to us of this godly, godly quality. And you need to believe that you can become that. And then I want to take us to the, the legendary movies of all movies for the men. Gladiator. General Maximus. Now, he was like a royal warrior. This character had an understanding of the kingdom. A soldier, a general... He understood how things in the Roman Empire, how things work. And he was committed to serve the cause of the emperor or the king. And so there's incredible scenes in the movie where he would, in this, this picture, it's like Commodus is the, the imposter young emperor that killed his own dad, the real emperor. And Commodus would, is, is, is a man of no honor. He's a man of dishonor, a man of shocking evil, foul mouth. They had no honor code. And he killed Maximus's wife and son, had them executed. And he would provoke him. He would provoke General Maximus to, to, to act like an idiot so that he could kill him. And yet... 
this character, Maximus, which is, had incredible self-control in the face of unbelievable injustice and wickedness. Self-control. And there's one moment where, where the Commodus would speak to Maximus about how they killed his wife. And, you know, he was provoking him in this Colosseum. Everybody was watching and wanted to provoke him so that he could kill him. And he would, at some point, Maximus would just respond and say to him something along the lines of, Emperor, your, your time for honoring yourself will soon come to an end. Da-da-da. And it was actually saying, man, you have no honor. You are shocking. I think there are a few characters in, in movie history that is so unlikable as this Commodus guy that is brilliantly portrayed. But he had incredible self-control. But he had understanding of, in, in the military context of divine order, of authority, of the kingdom. And then there were these scenes. Again, I'm painting you a picture of honor. Where go to the previous slide where he's with Marcus Aurelius. Incredible, so, so incredible scene. So the actual emperor that was murdered is this moment where, where they would just be talking and sharing. And then Marcus Aurelius would ask, um, General Maximus, you know, he would just talk about his home and, and his family and how he, he loves them. And then he, he asked him, so how long has it been since you've been home? Because they're now in the Germania area on a campaign and then without Thinking, he would just respond immediately. You know, I've been away from home two years and 264 days this morning. He would just respond with this, I miss my family. I am committed. My heart, my mind, my focus is on them. Although I'm busy with kingdom business, my heart is there. It is so inspiring. It's honor. It's loyalty. It is cherishing your family. That is honor. And then the, the emperor asked him, because he said, I'm dying, Maximus. So I want to, um, would you become the protector of the Roman Empire so you can give the empire back to the Senate so that it can sort out all the corruption? And then Maximus responds and he says, because he's like, he becomes like the interim emperor if he accepts. He's like, with all my heart, no. And then the emperor responds, that's exactly why. That's exactly why you must be this one. Why? Because he wasn't trying to get position or power or, or, or control. He wasn't wanting to lord it over people. He doesn't want to, he just wanted to serve the cause of the king. Are you seeing it? And this is rare. This is extremely rare. This kind of, and so when we watch this, it's like, Oh my goodness, this man is incredible. But I tell you, this is, this is, again, just reveals to us something of the kingdom of God. We are called to serve the ultimate king, King Jesus. We are called to serve, not to pursue our own purposes. We are not supposed to fight for position or power or lord it over others. We are supposed to serve people to move them forward into what God has for them. So I love these, these, these key moments in this movie. And then the, probably the greatest awesome scene <laughs> ever is because they thought that Maximus was killed. The emperor thought, the young imposter emperor thought they've killed him. 
So he, he was, became a slave, and the slave became a gladiator. And so the gladiator were fighting in the Colosseum, but he had a mask on, so they couldn't see who he is. And they had this incredible battle that they won, and the young emperor came down to, conf- to come and say, who is this gladiator? And then he revealed himself to the shock, absolute shock of this young emperor. And then this is on the next slide. This is what... Maximus, his response was, but this is so powerful. He said, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions, loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And he knew that he could die right in that moment, but he took the stand. But he, if you, if you read those words, it's like he understood who he was. He understood the character, understood the kingdom. He said, I am this. I am this man. I am someone with power and authority. I am someone with an honor code. I am a servant to the true emperor. I am a father. I am a husband. And man, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Which is not the best way. But uh, so he was committed to justice. Let's look at it. There was injustice. He was saying, I, I, I am contending for justice. Not for vengeance. In that sense. And for me, that speaks... As I say, I want to paint you a picture of the kingdom. Because there's so much of that. You see, this is just a story, made up story that's inspiring. But I tell you, the kingdom of God is real. And our God, the great king over the universe, he is real and he loves us. And he has called you to be an honorable person. Someone who, that knows who he or she is. Someone that understands that you have power and authority in Christ. And when we sang it this morning, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, how can Jesus by the Holy Spirit live in us and we not act in an honorable way? Then we were denying the Christ in us. So he's saying, and I believe this is what we can all take out of this, is we can learn from this that there is an honor code in the kingdom of God. As this next verse says in Romans 1.1, this is Paul, the apostle, who was a general in the army of God. And he introduces himself. He says, I am Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, the king of glory. I'm called to be an apostle, like a general, a special messenger, a, a saint one, and set Apart for the gospel of God. I am called by the king of kings, the emperor of emperors, to represent him, to be an ambassador for him, to live in a way that will bring glory to his name, willing to lay down my life for the people and to extend the kingdom of God in the earth. Are you seeing it? We could add a beautiful cinematic soundtrack to that as well. I am Paul, apostle of Christ, servant of Christ. You see, honor is so rare 
in our world. And because many of us do not see ourselves as someone with power and authority and an honor code to embrace, we tend to live on a lower level. A mediocre self-image will cause us to live in mediocrity. But if you realize what God has called you to, you're going to live differently. Honor. Honor. That is different. That is different. Honor is rare in society. But what if you and I would embrace this honor code? What if we would see who we are in Jesus, who is the ultimate example of honor? And then we become that. And it's a journey. It's a journey of sorting out our stuff. It's a journey of letting go of old ways of thinking and being different. We're called to be different. Because ultimately, we honor God when we are honorable. So from this, we can see here's six things that I can take from Maximus's life, which I believe is, is examples of an honor code that we find in the scriptures. So kingdom culture, honor code. The first one is it, it, we, we see an understanding of kingdom authority. Servant to the king, part of the empire, well, kingdom. Servant to the king. Not a servant to self. Loyal. Love this family. Committed. Whatever it takes. Number four, a language of honor. A language of honor. In other words, the way we speak reveals, as I said, what's happening in the heart. A willingness to sacrifice. Because it's not about us. It's about him, his glory. Number six, a courage to confront injustice. In other words, it's not just about thinking and speaking, but it's about action as well. We are willing to step out and address things as we should. An honor code. What if we could, as a church, as a community, embrace an honorable, an honor culture? In other words, we don't gossip. We don't speak badly about others behind their backs. If I have an issue with somebody, I would go to them and say, hey, can we talk? This is bugging me, you know. That's honor compared to being dishonorable is like bad-mouthing people behind their backs. It's like, uh, no, no, I, I, because I honor Jesus, I'm going to keep my mouth shut or I'm going to address the issue. That's being honorable because of how I see God. I honor the Lord. That's just one example. So truth number one, if we want to become honorable, we need to understand that honor proceeds from God. When you and I see honor, you're seeing a glimpse of Jesus Christ. And in him, we become more honorable. The more we honor him, the more we will become honorable. His character will be released into our lives. So honor has two components. The one aspect is what we see in the cross. It is honor is I value somebody above myself. Jesus honored us by laying down his life for us. That's the one aspect. Okay, Honor is to value somebody above yourself. To value them for what they carry. And then the other aspect of honor is you embrace an honor code. You live by a code. You live by a value system that we find in the scriptures. Like speaking differently, like being honest. So principle number two, your success in life depends on how you honor God and others. There are rewards. 
that as we, as we honor God and others, we receive a reward from the Lord. We become successful in a kingdom perspective. Okay, so how do we honor God? Why do we honor God? That means even if no one sees, I live unto Jesus because I, I know he sees. So in other words, I could lie. I could lie about something. I'm, I could get away with it and not face the consequences of speaking the truth. So I could lie. But because I have an honor code, I'm like, I'm going to honor Jesus. So I'm going to be honest in this situation. I'm going to face up if I need to, but I'm going to deal with my stuff, even if there are consequences. Why? Because I'm honoring God. There's so many people that turn the truth or stretch it because they're afraid of owning their stuff. You're never going to become honorable. You can only become honorable if you embrace the honor cut. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be truthful. Or what about paying your taxes? You could get away with it. You could like, uh, you know, they'll never know. You, you know, who wants to give government money in any case? They're going to waste it. What does the scripture, what does the honor code say? The honor code says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And give unto God what is God's. So I'm going to pay my taxes even if I could get away with it. Why? Because I'm honoring God. It's an honor code. And I know he will bless me if I do it. Okay, but in the coming uh, Sundays, we're going to touch a little bit about how we relate to government and people in authority. So imagine this for a moment. Guys are playing soccer. Okay, picture soccer. But there are no rules. You don't know what the outline is, the boundary. You don't know where you're supposed to score the goal. And it's not even clear if you should only use your feet or maybe you can use your hands as well. They don't tell you how you can or can't tackle the other guys. So the guys are, two teams are climbing into one another. It is absolute chaos. The ball is out, but is it out? And they're tackling one another. The guys are rolling on the ground like in pain. And the guys are, are, it's, it's just a disaster. That is how a lot of people are living their lives in the world. They're not playing the game of life according to the rules that the king set down. Own rules, own play field. I mean, if there's a rule that's in the word of God, in the Bible, these days people are like, if it's in the Bible, we're going to change it. We're going to do something else. If it's male or female, no, there's no such thing anymore. <laughs> it's just whatever. We're going to change it. We're going to break down. So the result is the world society is playing the game of life, but it's off the field. It's in the crowds. Everybody's drunk and fighting. It's a brawl. And people are like, this life thing is really painful. <laughs> There's no fun. There's no joy. People are not enjoying it. So how do you get order? You get a good ref and that enforces the rules. Everybody understands the rules. There's the outline. There's the goal. You can kick the ball there. Then you can win or succeed in life. Okay, so how do we, how do we, where do we get the rules? We get it from the word of God. We get direction, uh, this honor code. We get it in the scriptures. So look at this as a great example. Exodus 20 verse 12. One of the first scriptures about honor in the Bible And, and, and the context here is also the, the moment you have a child. Do you know what? The moment you have a child, you become a dad or a mom, you have kingdom authority. In the kingdom of God, a parent 
has kingdom authority, delegated authority. God is saying, I am the father over all, but I'm delegating my authority to you now to raise your child in a godly way. Kingdom, kingdom order. Okay, so you get, you get authority and you get the grace of God, empowerment upon your life for that as well. So it says, honor your father and your mother because they've been appointed in the kingdom. When you honor them, you honor the king of kings. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The first promise. So if you honor your parents, you're going to live long. And if you don't, you might be in trouble. So when I became a believer at the age of 18, and I heard this, and I read this, I'm, oh my goodness, I am not going to live long. Because <laughs> I was a disaster. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I was an angry, hateful cussing, rebellious young person. I had so much darkness on my soul and I gave my mother hell. I mean, my mom told her friends, this child is the child from hell. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) So I came out of that context and the moment I became a believer within the first few months, God convicted me. He said to me, Andre, you need to make right with your mom. You hate your mom. And so I went to her and I made right with her. I apologized. And many times after, mom, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for the pain I caused you. You, you, Your husband left you. He was unfaithful to you. And then you had a son that gave you hell. I am so sorry. Forgive me for being an instrument in the, in the hands of the, of the enemy. For adding your torment and your pain. God, mom, forgive me. I first repented to God, and then I repented to my mother. And the Lord beautifully restored our, our relationship. Honor. Honor your parents. Honor those that God has appointed in leadership or authority positions, because there's a reward that comes with it. And I think the reason it also says you're going to live long is in our context, you know, if you don't listen to your dad, and your dad's like, my son, you know, you're 16, 17, 18, or 18, just got your license, please drive a little bit slower. You're like, no, Dad, I'm going to do my own thing. And off the cliff. Because <laughs> we think we know when we're young, don't we? Like 16 going on 53. <laughs> and parents actually learn things over time. Praise God, eh? That over time, we actually, we actually learn something. And so with my dad, on the other hand, you know, I, I had a good relation with my dad. But when I became a believer, and he wasn't following God like I did, you know, he wasn't really full on. He believed in God, but he wasn't like sold out for Jesus. And, and I dishonored him. I disrespected him. I looked down upon him. I tried to preach at him and tell him how he must sort out his life. And praise God, as I got older, I learned that is not a wise way of treating your dad. And even though he never in the way embraced the, the word of God like I did. He was a businessman. He was director of companies. And so I honored him by going to him at times saying, Dad, I, I'm, I'm struggling with these challenges in the church. What do you think? How should I deal with these things? And he gave me incredible wisdom, incredible suggestions on how to handle conflict and challenges. But I communicate, Dad, I honor you. And ultimately, I honored God. And I got a reward. I received a blessing. So how's your relationship with your dad or your mom? Or even how do you treat the people around you? You see, there's a lot of people in our society that are utterly confused. 
They have no idea why life is this painful, unnecessarily. I want to say to you, because we're not honoring God, we're not embracing his word as we should. And then we are creating cultures of dishonor in our environments. So we miss out on all God is for us. Okay, so last principle. Principle number three, without honor, God is inhibited. And we miss out on rewards. You see, honor, as I'll show you now from the scriptures, is a key ingredient to sustain a supernatural culture, an environment where God can move and work powerfully. So look at this, Mark chapter 6, verse 4. So the context here is Jesus goes back to his hometown, Nazareth. I mean, he's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's been doing incredible miracles. God is my, the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully through Jesus' life. So he goes to his hometown. He, he, he shares from Isaiah 61, this Old Testament prophecy and saying, this is now fulfilled in him. And he comes with all of heaven behind him. I mean, he's God. He's ready to heal. He's ready to restore. He's ready to bless them. I mean, the creator of the universe is present. And yet he can do almost nothing. Why? Look at this. But Jesus said to them, a prophet, I mean, a genuine prophet, fivefold minister, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Fascinating statement. So he's saying a genuine man of God, somebody sent by God with all these, this anointing on his life, these blessings and this gifting upon his life, rewards from heaven is available. But he says, there are three areas where you will probably not receive honor. Number one, in your own country. Number two, among your own family. And number three, in your own house. Now, why is this? Because familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity, I say, I, I, I know you. You're a nobody. You're a nobody. Who do you think you are? Come and preach at us. You're nobody. And the result is, as the next verse says there, in verse 5, now he could do no mighty work there. He could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Maybe a little bit of a, a headache or a, something small that he could address. But, but it doesn't say... Jesus didn't want to. It was not the will of God to heal them or bless them or to move mightily. No, it's like he wanted to move mightily. But he could not. He could not. In other words, a culture of dishonor inhibits God from moving. Maybe some of us are frustrated in some of our areas. Frustrated at home, frustrated at work, frustrated in certain areas of the church. Maybe you're like, oh, why isn't God moving mightily? Oh, it's probably not his will to move mightily. I want to say to you, it is his will to move mightily. It is his will to reveal himself. Jesus paid the price for all our stuff. And he wants to mightily move to heal, to set free, to provide, to do what everything that he is. What if he can't? Because of a culture of dishonor in our marriages, in our families, parents to children, children to parents, in our workplaces, cultures of gossip and negativity and complaining. What if we are inhibiting God from showing up? 
And what if we could turn it? Think about this for a moment. It's like in the American culture. They always like, we can. The Americans also always feel like, man, we can do it. We're awesome. Best country in the world. We're amazing. And that's how they, that's like they have this thing in their culture. We can do it. And then South Africa, it's like, ooh, yo, we, we suck. Yo, we are, we're terrible. We are useless, pathetic. Nothing good comes from South Africa. And then we win the Rugby World Cup and we're all like, I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't believe it. We won. That is just crazy. How is this possible? The Americans were like, obviously. That's what we do. We win. We are awesome. <laughs> you know. So what if in, in, in our South African culture right now, we have dishonor built into the system. And it's inhibiting God from moving. And I know it's difficult. Eh? When I drive in our streets here in East London, I see all the potholes. And I'm like, oh, God help us. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, help us, infrastructure. But I tell you, the, the, the underlying this culture of honor is faith. I believe that there is something beautiful in every person. I believe God has hidden a treasure in every person. What if we could shift that culture? What if you would look at your spouse and you say, man, wow. She carries something so beautiful. Or your children. Or somebody in authority over you. Or what, what, what if we could shift the culture? Because according to that scripture, it says God cannot. So we like praying for our country. Lord God, we need you. And he's like, but you, 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 you're inhibiting me. I, ca- I can't. Because there's so much dishonor. There's so much complaining. There's so much negativity. There's so much, so, so it's this culture of dishonor that's binding the hands of God. And I tell you, I have seen it in our own home. I've seen in every environment that I am involved in, I want to bring in a culture of honor. And when the culture of honor comes in, the king shows up. What if every one of us would start looking at the people around us with the eyes of God? You see, every one of us have a beautiful call from the Lord. Every one of us have a dream on the inside, but you might not have discovered it yet. But I tell you, God has a dream for your life. He has. And through the prophetic word and through experiencing more of God, he begins to unlock that. And so let's say someone now stands up and like, Okay, I'm going to step up. I'm going to follow the dream that God is putting in my heart. And the rest of us are all like, who the heck do you think you are? <laughs> are, you, are you seeing it? It's like we pull one another down. It is so hard to pioneer something new, to run with a vision of God in your heart. If everybody else is like, ah, you're nobody, sit down, shut up. I mean, it's, it's like in this next season, we want to unlock the identities and the destinies of the people in this church. So I've seen it now in our young adults life group. I'm like stepping back. And this is what I feel God is saying to me. Coach more, do less. Let the people rise up. So in our life group this past Tuesday, I was like, I'm going to shut up 
tonight. One of the other guys are facilitating the life group. There's about 20-something of us there. I'm going to be quiet. I'm just going to coach. I'm going to encourage. And I tell you, it was incredible. Chris Kortzer facilitated the life group. I mean, he's what, 23 years old. I am more than 20 years older than him. And so that's so easy then to look down on somebody and say, hey, who do you think you are? I've been in ministry for 20 years. No. I want to unlock that treasure on the inside of you. Chris, I back you. Bring that broer. Bring it. And he did. It was incredible. When he was facilitating the group, he was, he, he prepared so well. And, and, and he, when he, when he facilitated the group, there was such authority, such boldness. And I saw the nature of Jesus revealed through him. And I'm like, hallelujah. I see a minister of the gospel rising up, but I need to believe. And then I need to give an environment where people can step out. How about us creating such a culture? Because that's what we're going to do. In the, in the months coming, I will share about this, but we're going to take things to a whole new level. We want you guys to step out. Hmm? What if we had 50 preachers and not just three? Anyway, I will still share about that. But so verse 5 is, Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. What if we build out a culture of honor where God can be God? Amen? Come on, say it. I know you want to say it, so say it with me. I want to be honorable. You need to see it. You need to see that you are able to be like these movie characters that are so incredible. I tell you, you can be like them. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus in you. And through you. And it takes time. But you address one area. Then you move into the next. Take another area. And you move into the next. Praise God. So let's trust the Lord for that. Amen. Please stand with me. So to highlight or to summarize the three points. Just put the three points on there. If you want to become more honorable, principle number one, honor proceeds from God. He is the most honorable being in the universe. Godliness, honor comes from him. The king of kings, king of kings. We're in a kingdom, not in a democracy. Principle number two, your success in life depends on how you honor God. How you honor God and how you honor His Word. How you align your life with His Word. And then how you honor others. Because every person carries a reward. We're going to unpack that in the, in the future messages. And then principle number three. Without honor, God is inhibited. And we miss out. So how are you going to, how, how are you going to turn things around? In your environments. Well, I would say, one of the things would be, Repent. In other words, admit, oh, God, forgive me. I spoke badly about that person behind their back. Lord, forgive me. That is not honorable. I'm going to, uh, uh, Lord, forgive me for that. I'm going to, I'm going to deal with that. And I'm going to go to that person that I spoke to in that dishonoring way about the other person. I'm going to tell them, hey, I am sorry. That is not honorable behavior. Mm, how about that? 
Or maybe you stretched the truth somewhere to someone. You lied. And his caller said, you lied. How about going to that person that you lied to say, hey, forgive me, I stretched the truth. Hey, sorry, I lied. And I want to be an honorable person. I want to be like Jesus. And God hates lying. Or what other area of your life does honor need to come into? What area of your life are you missing the mark? Because they start to say, okay, that is not honorable. That is not godly. That is not aligning with the word of God, with the honor code. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.